Meditation. 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 Depending on the quality of my You know, there's good days and bad days. I mean, feel like the waterfall of thoughts. Every now and then, a nice, calm, I can't think of anything. This is Meditation in the City. The Shambhala New York Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Meditation in the City podcast. My name is Francesca, and I'm your host. The title of this episode is Scorched Earth, a meditation on fear and openness. This talk was recorded in May of 2019. In this episode, we will reflect on how meditation practice can help us deal with powerful emotions, learning to embrace and sit with emotions such as anger and fear, rather than avoiding them and running away. Today we are joined by Rick Redondo. Rick is a teacher in the Shambhala Buddhist lineage and leads meditation courses, retreats, and corporate workshops in New York City and around the Northeast. He co-founded the New York City Heart of Recovery Group nine years ago. He regularly appears on the Meditation in the City podcast. He is a Shambhala mentor selected and trained to work with students through in-depth, ongoing, one-on-one sessions that include meditation instruction, path guidance, and mindful living coaching. He is an active filmmaker, actor, and musician. He enjoys bringing meditation and art to everyday life. Here's Rick to take away the discussion. It's pretty hard to feel peaceful all the time. We have difficulties, struggles. What the shamatha, the peaceful abiding, really means is it doesn't mean you're going to feel peaceful all the time. What it means is you can be at peace with whatever's happening, whatever's arising. You can be present at peace with that. It's broader. You can deal with challenges and difficulties and emotions. Emotions. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk to, talk about a bit tonight with emotion. I think I call this talk scorched earth versus uh, willingness to feel. Are there people here who watch Game of Thrones at all? Anybody? Few? People who don't? Yeah, there's people who don't. You have two to go? Ooh! Ooh! That's hard. That's hard. Uh, yeah, my metaphor is definitely going to give a little bit away. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> Yeah, no, there's no way. I'm trying, I've tried to spoil as little as possible, but if people are listening on the podcast too, if you haven't watched the last two episodes and you want no spoiler whatsoever, I'm going to give a little bit of a spoiler. Now, mind you, it's been all over the media lately. People that don't even know anything about Game of Thrones have a little idea, perhaps. Um, if it's really a problem, I might suggest... No, it's okay? You sure? Okay, good. Well, we'll be learning to work with emotions too, so if it's hard... <laughs> It's hard, you can use it as, as fodder. Uh, so what is this about? It's, this talk isn't ultimately about it, but I thought it was a good metaphor, and so, so did my partner. Um, basically, a lot of people have gotten up in arms about the last couple episodes. There's some big character, one of the main characters in the show. Her name is Daenerys. She's the dragon queen. I guess an easy way to remember her if you're not familiar. <laughs> She's the queen, queen of dragons. She's a mother of dragons. She raised them from babies. And uh, she went from basically nothing or having very almost no power, kind of being a slave, to with the power of the dragons behind her, freeing the slaves. She, she's a character of good. She frees, 
she frees people and that she, the dragons are her power. And they breathe fire and they take care of the bad guys. Uh, and they destroy the bad guys. And you cheer her along the way as she destroys the bad guys. But over the last couple of seasons, they start going, well, you know, sometimes she gets a little carried away. And she gets warned a lot about not harming innocent people, even though she's trying to do good. She's trying to liberate people from tyranny. She's lectured a lot about, well, people can get harmed along the way. And ultimately, she does seem, she causes some harm. She sort of lets her emotions, you might say, get the better of her. And she causes harm. And this upset a lot of people. A lot of people follow the show for years, and they're very upset. They think they should rewrite the whole episode. How could this good person ever cause harm? How could that ever happen? And I thought to myself, really? We don't all have dragons. We don't all have that kind of power. But have we really never wanted to lash out at our enemies, especially when we're in the right, when we're when we're doing good. I feel that way sometimes. Sometimes I feel sort of righteous in my anger. Somebody cuts me off in traffic, they're wrong and they're gonna hear about it and that's just that and they're wrong and I'm right and no discussion, no end of discussion, no, nothing to talk about. I'm right, you're wrong, that's it. And my anger's justified and I'm good and I'm right. The show says, well, that's kind of interesting. That's, maybe that's kind of dangerous. And then I'll talk a little bit. There's a couple other characters I think sort of represent other pitfalls in working with emotions. One pitfall in working with emotions is to lash out. Act your emotions out. Cause harm. We all have those impulses at times. But we have to learn to work with them. Meditation teaches us that. There's another pitfall. Another pitfall is sort of avoiding emotions. I should always feel good. I should always feel peaceful. I'm beyond that. There's a character who's sort of, in my opinion, Jon Snow, he's kind of the good, good guy. Sometimes he's almost too good. He wants everybody to know how good he is. But he's beyond all that. At a certain point, you know, well, you know, the Dragon Queen, she, she did bad, she did wrong. She, yeah, but she's my queen, it's all, it's all good. I mean, you know. There's no problem here. I'm, I'm her boy. That's it. Like, there's no, no problem. Sometimes we get that in meditation. People always want to have a smile all the time as if bad things are happening, but you're still going to somehow feel good or peaceful. We avoid. We can avoid. So we can act emotions out that are dangerous emotions. We can also try to pretend they're not happening or avoid them or put on some false front or run away, just put our iPod uh, earphones in and escape. And then maybe there's kind of a middle route, or maybe with meditation we could find a way to work with the situations. Maybe it's good to work with these powerful emotions, not avoid them, somehow experience them, but not act them out. And maybe there's some kind of wisdom or strength or power or humanity in that. And I think there's a character that maybe represents that too. So. We'll try to keep it brief and just stay on topic and hopefully not spoil too bad. I don't think it gets any worse than that, so sorry. 
So um, when we work with emotions, the first kind of, we have to lay just a little bit of groundwork. And how does that relate to this meditation practice we're doing? Like we're doing this meditation practice, what does that have to do with emotions? They seem pretty peaceful, I guess. So how does that work? Well, in meditation, one of the things we're working with is we say we're working with our mind. And what is that? Well, from our perspective, our mind is what is ever, what is clear and open. So we have a clear and open and knowing quality to our mind. But we also have thoughts, just sort of like the activity of our mind, you could say. It's what our mind sort of does. Thoughts pop in and out like clouds in the sky. We work with that in meditation. We notice our thoughts and we come back and we get a sense of the sky, the big, clear, knowing aspect of our mind. And we have this, these thoughts, activities, patterns, habits, and feelings that come up. So what's emotion then? Well, from the, the meditative perspective, emotion, it's said, is basically thought plus energy. It's like thought with a bunch of energy that gets attached to it. So you, uh, when you have a powerful emotion, it's like, it's as though your mind is clear water, it's clear and open, and then when an emotion grabs us, we grab onto certain thoughts, and they color that water like a drop of dye. Like if I dropped a red drop of dye in the water, all of a sudden that might be, maybe that's anger. Maybe the red cup of water is anger, perhaps. It's a, some clear water in there, but there's also these thoughts that color it. And we practice with that. We practice with separating mind or thought from mind, that there's mind beyond just the thoughts and attachment to those thoughts. So thoughts happen, you know, and feelings happen. We have all kinds of feelings when we're meditating. We might feel bored. We might feel anxious. We might feel sleepy. We might feel great. Today I felt really good. <laughs> we might have a lot of feelings. Well, what are these powerful feelings then that we all kind of want to learn how to work with? Uh, well, it said these powerful feelings are called kleshas. Klesha, K-L-E-S-H-A. And that basically means afflictive emotion. Um, we become attached and we have a powerful, painful emotion, you might say. Uh, could be anger, that's a classic one. Could be uh, pride, jealousy, uh, indifference, actually. It's kind of similar to the, well, it's all good, it's all fine, I'm good, whatever. Avoiding emotion. Um, I think I'm missing one of the big ones. Jealousy, pride, desire, and desire as well. So these are all powerful emotions. Some might seem more pleasant to us, and some might seem less pleasant to us. Some of us sort of think desire is good, but anger is bad. But from the meditative perspective, it all causes us suffering. So, and we all have our own space around that. Some people are the opposite. They really enjoy anger. They feel righteous. They feel strong. They feel energized by it. It motivates them. But they might be afraid of... Uh, boredom or indifference. They might be afraid of desire. Perhaps they have addiction issues. Who knows? So we all have a different relationship to emotions. We like some more than others. Some we have issues with, some we don't. 
But from the meditative perspective, all these sort of powerful emotions cause us suffering, our attachment to these thoughts. And it's important in the meditative perspective to learn to let go of those thoughts, create some space, and see what's going on underneath all that. Anger in particular is the one that's a good one to talk about because it's usually considered the most destructive. Um, it can be a motivational factor sometimes. In fact, they even say it's related to intelligence in some of the Buddhist sort of cosmologies. The Vajra quality is related to intelligence, is related to anger, intellect. Um, but anger is a good one to work with because obviously it's one that can get, cause a lot of harm, both for ourselves and others. Scorched earth in this case. So what's the first thing then when we, when we recognize anger or emotion? Well, the first thing is we have to recognize that. Oh, I'm in the grips of anger right now. Um, sometimes we don't really even notice that. We just know we're mad at the thing that we're mad at. The person cuts us off in traffic and I'm just mad at that jerk. It's just that jerk. It's nothing to do with me. That guy did that and they're the bad guy and they're the fault. There's nothing, it's not, nothing to do with me. But that's, the meditative perspective says, wait a second, this is my anger. I'm holding on to something here. I'm feeling righteous. And I'm the one in pain. Anger is actually related to the hell realm in certain Buddhist cosmologies. If you were in hell, you'd be obsessed with anger. So it's first thing to recognize, I have anger. I have attachment to the thoughts. Thoughts plus energy. Thoughts. Me. So it's some recognition of that. And I could work with that. So the first aspect is what they call the outer aspect of working with emotion. And simple enough, it's called uh, don't cause harm. Don't act out. No scorched earth. When you have that opportunity, even if you're really fighting a bad person, like the Dragon Queen, she's fighting a terrible, terrible tyrant. She's worked her whole life to get to this situation. People have betrayed her in all directions. Uh, <laughs> Her people behind her, her, her supporters have also threatened to betray her at times and have betrayed her and will betray her and all kinds of things. And it said in that moment, don't do it. Don't act out. I was watching Leslie Jones from Saturday Night Live and she, did, she does a running commentary on Game of Thrones and I watched that episode. And right when Daenerys is thinking about lashing out, she's like, don't do it. Don't do it. You're, you're just angry. Don't do it. Because we can cause harm to ourselves and to others. But we, we don't always do that. If we're honest, sometimes it gets the better of us. If we're lucky, it, we just catch ourselves quickly and try to learn. But the first thing it says, be like a block of wood. Don't, don't act out that powerful emotion. Um, they said, and that can, acting out could be sort of different ways. It could be literally, physically, you could really literally harm people, dragons or with your body. You could uh, slam doors. You could break, break things. Don't act out. It also could be you could harm people with speech. Well, you say something mean or nasty or snide. It could even be with thought. Maybe you don't do either of the things, but you just wish that person bad. You just wish harm. 
So don't act out. That's the first step. Be like a piece of wood. They say when, you, when you're angry and you're looking to lash out at somebody over the anger, it's as though there's a hot coal that's near you. And you're, trying to, and you're thinking to get that person, and the only thing you can see to get there with is that hot coal. And you look at the hot coal and you decide to throw it at them. Well, you might hurt that person. You might hit them. You might miss, too. But there's certainly one person who's going to get hurt no matter what. So, pick it, so acting out these powerful emotions is, is the first step. Don't do it. The second aspect, then, is if we don't act out the emotion, well, can we just avoid the whole thing? Okay, I'll just go do something else then. You ever run across somebody? I, I, uh, I've had friends sometimes, and they, uh, when you... Uh, and you see them upset about something, and you're like, are you okay? And they're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Maybe they even smile, sort of. You know, and it's, even though there's, and it's written all over their face, they're not fine. Everybody can see they're not fine. But there's this powerful, like, no, no, it's good. No, I'm fine. No, no, didn't happen. No. Whatever. Or someone say that to you? Something? Whatever. Like, in that certain way, like, they're just, and you know it's not, they're not saying whatever. Like, they really are mad, but whatever is just a way to be like, no, it doesn't matter. Indifference. Heidi. Nicey-nice sometimes. That can be a big one. Smile, pretend like everything's good, but in the meanwhile, you're stewing in the back and you're resentful. So we don't want to avoid our emotions. Character, there's a character sort of avoidant, I think, of emotion a bit in... in near the ending of Game of Thrones, Jon Snow, the good guy. He sort of sees some of the bad things happening, and then when he's confronted about it, what she did, even though he saw things and was horrified, he said, oh, well, you know, no, it's fine. She's my queen. I'm good. It's all good. I'm good. I'm with her. No problem. Avoiding emotion. Interestingly, both acting out and avoiding emotions are some kind of way I feel of avoiding feeling vulnerable. Somehow lashing out in anger, that's a way to avoid, avoid feeling vulnerable. Daenerys is a person who had been through a lot, had gone through death and loss recently. Uh, the Dragon Queen, she had uh, been betrayed. She was fearful of what could happen. But we don't want to feel those things, so we either lash out. At the same time, the people, when we avoid our emotions, we also don't want to feel. I don't want to feel vulnerable. I don't want to feel sad. I don't want to admit that somebody maybe did wrong. I don't want to admit that I'm maybe afraid of saying something. So we don't act out and we don't avoid either. How do we not avoid in meditation? Well, the interesting part is the way we don't avoid emotions is by dropping the thoughts. So we let the thoughts go, which create the anger, but then the thoughts can also then become our escape. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm fine. Everything's okay. I'm fine. I'm good. It's all good. Let those thoughts go, too. And feel what's happening. No, I'm fine. Everything's good, really. It's all fine. Let go. Just feel your body breathing. What, what's really going on? So we let go of the thoughts. We don't act out, first of all. Then we, don't let, then we let go of the thoughts, which actually is a way of not avoiding how we feel underneath. And then we feel the energy underneath, what's happening in our body, our heart. Thoughts may keep coming up, 
Well, we keep letting them go. Okay? Difficult emotions can be hard to work with, so we keep working with that, coming back and feeling how, how we are going on underneath our energy in our body. And eventually, if we can, we come back to our breathing. So what is this process then of working with emotion? It's not acting out, it's not running and hiding into different stories or escapes. I guess you could say it's meeting emotions with gentleness, nowness, and inquisitiveness. And in the Game of Thrones, I would say that maybe the Tyrion character sort of represents that to me. He's a person that tries to get people to, he deals with the feelings of what's going on. And he tries to make people confront their feelings about it in a real way, in a difficult way. So how does that work? Well, I, I know when I'm working with a difficult emotion and I let it go and I come back to my body and I let go of my escapes and I let go of my patterns and the thoughts, and usually it's a lot going on. So the first thing you kind of notice is that there's a lot of feeling and emotion and energy in you. Humanity, sadness perhaps. So you, there's this feeling of openness and gentleness towards yourself and a sense of sadness and there's some kind of connection I usually feel to the kind of sadness of life, which is actually very human and good. So it's a sort of a gentle quality, a willingness to feel. And that feeling is a sense of nowness. What's really here? Tyrion has bad things happen and he doesn't try to escape. He really lets himself feel what's going on. Let himself cry, that's what comes up. He lets himself be angry. Feel that, feel that energy. Now, and then there's an inquisitiveness to it, ultimately, because we usually want to escape these difficult emotions. We think they shouldn't be happening, or there's something wrong, or why is this, I should be someplace else, I shouldn't be, ang I shouldn't be vulnerable or sad, I should be striking out, or, or I should just be all good. I should be somewhere else. But there's actually something really intelligent about what's happening to you right now. There's some wisdom in there. There's some reason why we should be feeling this and what it tells us and what we can communicate with ourselves and with others about through the process. Maybe it's just a, a willingness after you process your feeling to say something to someone. Instead of lashing out in anger at the person I'm angry with, or running away and just pretending it never happened, or ignoring it, maybe I process the feeling and then maybe it gets to a point where I can say, you know, that hurt my feelings when you said that. We say that difficult thing, but we don't want to say, sometimes that's the most important thing, just to say that thing that's underneath there, just to be willing to share that. There's a, somehow there's an intelligence, there's a reason. And sometimes I've had fear about sharing difficult feelings. I had recently with the board. <laughs> I'm sharing some, we went through difficult times and I've shared my feelings. And I was a little worried, like, hey, you know, people aren't going to like to hear what I have to say. But somehow, just sharing that feeling, it helps, it opens the air. Like other people go, you know what, I agree with that. Maybe some people don't agree with it, but somehow it helped, somehow it was good. We don't have to hide from that. There's an intelligence. Good. So that was a bit of chat on 
working with emotions, I want to do a little bit of an exercise where maybe we try to practice that in a little way. We do a little game where we practice working with emotions a little bit. And, uh, but before we do that, and that should just take a few minutes, are there questions that people have about what I was talking about? I hope, hopefully I didn't spoil anything too bad. Anybody have any questions right now? We can also just do, oh, go ahead. I've heard that there's a difference between being aware of emotion and being mindful of them. Um, if in your experience you've seen that difference before, can you explain what you think that's like? Hmm. That's an interesting question. The difference between being aware of emotions and being, ah, well, I guess I'll interpret how I think that means. Um, I've dealt with anger a lot, personally. You know, that's one I know pretty well. So I've always been aware or usually been aware when I'm angry, but that doesn't mean that I did anything about it. I knew I was angry, but maybe I thought I was right about that, or maybe I don't know what to do about it, but I knew it was the case. So I was aware of it, but I would say being mindful is more the process, would, would perhaps imply going through this process and saying, okay, that's a starting point, I'm angry. Now, what am I gonna, how am I gonna work with that? Okay, I can let go of the thought thoughts and then just try to be present. I could not act out, first of all, number one. Number two, I could start working with the thoughts and processing it. Um, so to me, perhaps, that's w what it might, might mean. It's also possible to not be aware of your anger at all. I mean, there are people that really don't think they're angry. I remember a friend of mine that I met years ago and you know, I was talking, I was like, you know, well, you know, dealing with anger sometimes, you know, sometimes you got to deal with that. And this person was like, I don't, I'm not angry, I don't get angry. I was like, oh, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> okay, if you say so, all right. Eventually, uh, this person later on admitted to me, you know, actually, yeah, I started to realize, like, yeah, actually, I do feel that sometimes. I didn't even know. So, yeah, it might be levels. Any other questions right now? We can also just uh, try our little exercise, and, and then that might bring some stuff up. Are sadness and grief also clashes? Good question. Good question. Klesha means afflictive emotion. It means that you're attached. That you're hanging on, and, and you're suffering because of your attachment. Because you don't want things a certain way. You can't have it that way. So sadness could definitely be a klesha. For many people, we view it as a klesha, like something we're afraid of, we don't like. There's a story. Oh, I'm sad. Oh, that's because of what happened to me in my childhood, and uh, things haven't gone my way, and then there's a whole story around that, and it's my sadness, and it means this, and I, it'll never work out, and there's a whole bunch of stories that get laid on to it. In that case, there's a klesha there. But it's said that when you let go of the stories, that just the sadness itself, just as an energy, is actually very warm and good. Like sad joy, it's sometimes referred to as. Anybody here ever cry at a wedding? Cry at a movie? Good. So do you cry at weddings, movies? Sometimes, okay, good. So when you're crying at a wedding, are you happy or are you sad? Um, it's neither. Neither. Or maybe both. It's just emotion. 
tender. Good. Good. Anybody else? Anybody else? Hmm? It hurts. It is sad. But yet there's, like, it's beautiful. Like, you're at a wedding, and it's beautiful, too. Like, people getting married, and it's beautiful. And yet it hurts, kind of, too. Yeah. But if there's no story, if it's not, if that turns into, oh, I'm never going to get married. That's never going to happen for me. Doesn't, not going to work. Then all of a sudden it's klesha. But if it's just like this open quality, it's really more like a heart. It's quite beautiful. I call it sad joy, and actually it's a good thing. It's a thing that maybe we could not be afraid of. Trust that. It's our heart. Anybody else have anything like that? They cry at a movie or a wedding? Cry something. I cry like when I see a nice piece of work art. You, you do that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not always a, like you said, it's not always like a sad thing. Like, you know, it, especially like seeing other people crying or like, you know, relating so closely to something that it's just like you don't even know why, but you just kind of like start welling up. Yeah. Fullness. It's like yeah. a full, the full heart. As long as we don't start putting a story on it, that's where the glacier comes in the story. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, honestly, any movie or TV show that can make me cry, I immediately am like, well, this is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, those moments always feel very, very real and um, very immediate. And uh, like, you know, you're feeling it with your whole body kind of. Um, Whereas like with depression and kind of more maybe the cliche of sadness, it's almost like a, like a fog. And it's like, you, like, whereas like you might remember very vividly crying at the wedding, um, you know, those weeks on the couch, it's like a blur. Anybody else? Any other questions right now? Try a little exercise, working with cliche. That way you'll sort of have a little practice. All right, good. So maybe people can try pairing off into twos. Like, so everybody just get a partner and kind of turn and face a partner. Well, you could do a three if there isn't two, but two might work better. Two, two, two. Three's okay, two. Three's, three's all right. Good. So everybody f find a partner. Now this one's going to be a little bit uh, chaotic compared to a lot of the partner ones, perhaps. But we're going to have... We're going to have fun with it. So everybody think about, since we've been working with scorched earth, everybody think about something that you're either angry or irritated about right now. It's your choice. If there's something you're really angry and you want to get into it, fine, go for it. Don't get into something that's going to be more than you want to deal with. So it could also just be irritating. But try to think of something, some situation that you have going on. Actually, um, we do have an extra here. We do two. Great, great. So think about something that's irritating you right now or bothering you or just something. Pick a specific one situation for yourself. Now the good part is that you're not going to have to worry about uh, a lot of listening in this version <laughs> of it. Basically, I want, when I say ring the gong, I want each of you at the same time to start ranting to the other person talking about what's bothering you. So just, and let yourself get into it. Let yourself have fun with it. Get into it. Get, get worked up. All right? You ready? We're going to have fun with this. Ready? And go. Get worked up.
at the same time, both people. Both people, same time. I want you to really start ranting, get into how much that person bugs you. Get into it. Get into it. This situation stinks. It stinks. It really stinks. Get into it. Get into it and hire and go and go and stop. Everybody stop. 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 Sit. Sit. Take a good posture. So first, we're not acting out any emotion. Secondly, after not acting out our emotion, let the thoughts go. Let the thoughts go and come back to the feeling in the body. If the thoughts return again, just let them go again. Notice them. Come back to the feeling in your body. Thoughts are fine, let them go. Come back to the feeling in your body. If you can just be with the body breathing, fine. If not, if you're still worked up, just notice the energy in your body. If you feel a certain way, where is it in your body? Where is that energy in your body? Is it in your shoulders? Is it in your chest? Is it in your stomach? the thoughts come up, just let them go. And notice the energy and the feeling in your body. Where is that feeling now? Is it the same as it was a moment ago? Does it have a color? Does it have a shape? Is it changing in any way right now? If the thoughts return, let them go. And where is that energy in your body now? Is it changing? And where is that energy now? And if you feel like the process has worked you through the energy, when you're ready, you can just let go and come back to feeling the body breathe. Working with emotions by not acting them out, by not following the thoughts and suppressing them, and being gentle now and inquisitive about what's going on underneath. And when you're ready, just let the whole thing go. You can thank your partner for hearing your rant. All right. I call these little moments together intimacy in the city. <laughs> Working with the partner. Good. So, uh, whenever people are ready, if we want to share any of this with the group, that'd be great. How was that for people?
I know it's a bit of an artificial exercise, but was that helpful in learning this technique at all? I, I, think, I think for me it was definitely helpful in, in like catch, catch, uh, catching myself in like frustration, and, which I usually don't do, and I usually allow it to get the better of me until it just gets bubbles over into, as you say, just discord that is not productive and uh, heated arguments and uh, frustration. But one thing that I, I still am a bit confused on is you say don't bury the thought, uh, focus on, on letting it flow rather than like capturing it and, and bury it. So, but I'm getting, conf I'm a bit confused <laughs> at that uh, because if you're letting it flow by, you're kind of not addressing that challenge. And you inadvertently seem, or at least I felt inadvertently, to kind of be like, okay, move, flow past. I'm not going to address that now. Um, so I would love that perspective on how you see it. Good, good. Um, that's a really good question. So what was the instruction in the technique? There's sort of two, two or three basic parts. The first thing is to, when you feel a strong emotion, the first thing is to, anybody? Not act out. Don't yell, don't scream, don't cause harm. So if you're just sitting, you know, if you're just standing or wherever you practice this technique, if you sort of just stop, then you're not causing harm. So that's good. That's step one. What's the second part? What's the second part of the instruction? Let go of the thoughts. Let go of the thoughts. Now, I somehow said that's not avoiding. So you let go of the thoughts, then what do you do? Feel what's happening underneath. So normally we think, I need to work those thoughts out. I need to solve those thoughts. I need to come to an answer about all that. But there's no, we're letting that go. We're just letting that all go. And we're saying of, that going off on the thoughts is essentially avoiding what's going on underneath. We're used to going off on the thoughts. We're not used to seeing what's underneath. Does that, does that help at all? Because it's, it's, counterintu it's counterintuitive. You're protecting yourself rather than the other person by focusing on the way that it feels to you rather than the way that you're going to react. You're addressing that core frustration at its core. You're like, why does it make, like, kind of like, what is that emotion underlying that sort of meaning? Yeah, what's underneath all that? And it's not figuring it out. That's, it's not figuring it out. So um, are you saying that we should connect at a deeper level with our emotional kind of place and, and kind of understand what's going on as opposed to trying to solve cerebrally the seeming problem. Is that what you're saying? I think so. That sounds about right. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah. The, we tend to have similar sort of patterns of emotions and thoughts. So when things happen, we have tend to go to the, uh, the what do they call it, the usual suspects, right? And we want to solve it through the usual suspects. I'm going to figure this all out. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. It's this. It's about, you know. And we're, we're, it's radical. It's different. We're letting that go. And we're seeing what's happening on, on, underneath all that. 
and that there's a different kind of a wisdom and it's not an intellectual solution. Thank you. You know, I, I, um, we, we had a moment where we couldn't figure out what to be angry about. <laughs> because I was that guy that's like, oh, I'm not really angry about anything. But then when I thought about it, there's, an, there's a situation that's happening that is, could be the cause, that could easily cause ang anger. But I, I think um, I'm very quick to get to the fear that's under the anger and then below the fear, the sadness. So the sadness is tender. And I can, I can work from that tender place. Anger is, anger is that block of wood. I, it stops everything. There's no growth in anger for me. But I recognize in the situation that, that we discuss, I have a neighbor that throws trash in front of my house. It causes me some inconvenience. And it makes me angry. But below the anger is I'm fearful that I'm going to get a ticket. I'm fearful that the other neighbors would think that I'm a slob, uh, how I'm being perceived. And below that is the sadness that someone uh, feels so, so little of me that they can throw things in my yard, and it makes me sad. Mm. And from that sadness, I can get compassion. It's beautiful. So, but going there is a... It's not always that quick. Yeah, you can, you can know all that. You can know those steps. And by the way, A-plus on your Shambhala steps of working with emotions there. You get that. You get it. Good. Uh, yeah, because fear is underneath it all. One of my things I think I said in this was fear. Because underneath anger, underneath any of these clashes is fear. Oh, what happens if I don't lash out? Or what happens if I don't martyr myself? Or what happens if I don't? say whatever, or whatever our escapes are. We have millions of them. There's always fear underneath that. And then there's always something more raw underneath that. But we can't intellectualize that. Like, it, it's just step by step. And does, we work with anger. It could be any emotion that sweeps you along. You get swept away by desire too much. You get swept away by jealousy. That's a nice juicy one. Uh, if you get swept away by pride. You get swept away by indifference. Any emotion that takes you too far, same technique. Same technique. Sorry, this is a technical question, but why did we just speak to the other person and not listen? Uh, what was the reason for that? Just a little experiment. I wanted to kind of get a rant going. I wanted to be a little chaotic. I didn't want people to think too much. I also wanted to go through the guided all together at the same time, so I didn't want to have one person go first and then everybody knows what's up. Like I wanted everybody just to kind of jump in, see what would happen. Maybe you felt ridiculous. That's an emotion too. Could let that go, you know. Sometimes these exercises may not have brought anger up for you. Well, don't worry about it because I'm sure plenty of juicy emotions will come up in real life for you to work with. Actually, I felt controlling. I was like, well, I want to do it this way. And then I was like, oh, I'll just go with it. There you go. Control, that's a good one. That's a good one. Very good. And that's a suggestion, too, about if you try to work with these things in your everyday life. Uh, my suggestion might be, starting off, if this is new for you, it might be hard to work with the strongest emotions at first. If you feel up for that, great. But it's perfectly fine to start kind of smaller. Say, well... Instead of working with anger, maybe I'll work with feeling a little controlling. So if I notice that, I'll work with it. Or if I feel a little irritated. Like we can start on, 
and see how it works. And then, oh, that was interesting. And then maybe that, if that's a positive experience, build, build up that way. Go to little higher levels and then higher levels. If you feel ready to tackle the biggest full-on rage fit that you have right now, great. But, you know, it's fine to kind of build this up a little bit at a time. Um, kind of to, to follow up on, on Kate's comment, um, in Shambhala we do a lot of diet, we call them dyads with two people and so there's a way that there's a form, you know, there's a way that that usually sort of develops. So this was like, what? We're just like talking <laughs> over each other? <laughs> That's not the norm. But what I found was like really wonderful about the whole kind of thing is like when it's happening, you're like, this is exactly what happens in anger. Nobody listens. You know, and you had this sense, like, I wanted to kind of listen to what you were saying, but I was supposed to be angry and talking <laughs> over you, so I had no idea what you were, were you saying. And so I found that really very interesting because it, it kind of shows exactly what happens when you're angry, that you're, you have no ability to really listen to people around you. Yeah. I also find... I, I can't. I don't listen very well, and I don't speak very well either. If I get real angry, my my intellect kind of like my quick comebacks, and usually I think back later, and I was like, "Gosh, I wish I had thought said to this. This would have been <laughs> clever." Instead, I was just like, Ugh, "You know, <laughs> yeah." A lot of things just go out the window. And yeah, I intentionally designed it to be a little chaotic and maybe irritating. And, um, so you mentioned that at the root of everything, it all comes down to fear. And I was wondering if you could just speak about that. Like, what if you're struggling with fear? Good. There is no anger. There is no sadness. There's just an empty pit of fear. Good, good. Thank you. I would say, you know, I talked about the five root kleshas, the Buddhist ones, is the ones I mentioned. But I would say in Shambhala, the root klesha might be fear. As he mentioned, we have habits. Habits are of mind are what cause our kleshas and our disturbances and stuff like that. And usually under the habits are fear. And sometimes we're well aware of our fear. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes the habit covers over fear. And sometimes we're very well aware of our fears. But they're still challenging. We don't want to feel that. Right? I mean, it's fair to say, I don't want to feel fear. I'd rather avoid that. But the more I avoid fear... I'm afraid of the fear. The more I avoid fear, does fear go away from me? Or does it take a bigger role? Well, it takes a bigger role. I'm practicing avoiding my fear. Fear becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. It doesn't go away. So fear is like any other emotion. We have to learn how to work with it, to not avoid it, to not act it out. Which I think acting out fear is essentially avoiding. That's normally how you probably act out fear, you just try to avoid it. Uh, so we don't avoid it. We sit. We let the thoughts go. Same way. We feel what's going on underneath. Can I deal with this fear? I'm nervous every time I teach. Every time. I think pretty much every teacher is nervous before they teach. The only difference kind of becomes 
that I have some confidence that I can deal with that and that it'll be, a, you know, that I can lean into that, that there's some intelligence in that, that there's something good, there's some magic in there. Like it's a pathway to your real self. We want to avoid it. But if we go in, we have to practice that. And we practice it the same way with strong emotions. My suggestion is uh, start small and work your way up. Every time you sit, to some degree, you're dealing with that. There's always some part of us that is a little bit afraid of looking at ourselves, a little bit afraid of just stopping, a little bit afraid of just being quiet. Uh, so now that we've like pretty much established that fear is, you know, theoretically the root of all the clashes, I find that one that I get really stuck in a lot is indifference or not feeling. And I'm able to get to the fear that's kind of at the root of that, but then I really just get lost in that fear. And, um, and then I just go back to indifference because um, I find it so hard to engage with the fear. It, I just feel so confused and um, just, just like to totally unable to, 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 to be aware of anything or to, to think or even feel when, I'm, when I find that. And then I, I just like don't even know what to do with it. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, some strategies to engage with fear more. Because then even, because there's times when I come and I sit down um, and I like I try to meditate and I sit and I ju it's just like total nothingness. And I might, you know, I might graze against the fear. It's like, oh yeah, that's there. But then like what else is there? It like feels like there's nothing. And like it's just like this black hole that like takes up everything else. And I like can't see through it or past it. The fear. Or, yeah, or like go into it. It's just like totally hmm. all um, destroying. <laughs> ah, that, ha that happens sometimes when you sit? Uh, like all the time. All the time yeah. when you sit, okay. So how do you work with that when it comes up? I have no idea. I try, I sit with it and it just kind of swirls around and I just feel um, numbness and confusion. Hmm. And then by the end, um, I don't know, it might be a little bit quieter. Um, but I haven't, I haven't found, I, nothing really else has um, manifested beyond that. Hmm. Just kind of like sitting in that mire of um, just like total disorientation. Hmm. So... Your meditation technique. So, what, what, how do, you, what do you do when you meditate? You have to take a seated posture, right? Sit, take good posture, sit still, and then, what's your technique after that? Um, well, I usually practice a mindfulness meditation, and I'll try to just, um, just, I'll just start breathing, or I'll use something else as an object, but usually the breath. And then, um, every time like a thought comes along, I'm just like, oh, I'm thinking, and then I just like, let's go back to the breath. Okay. And I just do that as many times as I can until I'm just breathing. Um, but so then, what happens when the, f the fear comes up? What's that? Uh, it's just like a. It, it's weird because I know that I know that it's fear, but I like almost can't feel it. It's like so subtle, but it's just like this. Um, you know, like even, I, might, I might be pretty connected to my breath, um, 
And so I'm, I'm not really thinking. My mind's, I'm letting it do what it's doing, and I'm not really engaging with that. Um, and the thoughts are fine. If yeah, they yeah, come yeah, up, yeah. But, but I, I'm not like, it's just like not peaceful. You know, it's still, but it's like kind of, um, it's, uh, it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. Okay. It's not comfortable. And I, yeah, and I just like sit there, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm uncomfortable. Okay, so I'm uncomfortable comes up the thought. Mm -hmm. um, let, let that go. Well, yeah. Right. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, but you can't just come back to the breath now. Now, now coming back to the breath. Sometimes early on, maybe thoughts come up, you let them go, but you can just come back to the breath. But when uncomfortable starts to come up, you can't just go back to the breath, right? It's getting difficult. Um, Is that fair? I mean, that's definitely sometimes the case. Okay. Okay, good. So when that happens, it's just like the technique of working with um, emotion. Because it's always said that the gold standard is if you can just let thoughts go and come back to the breathing, do that. If that works, just do that. Sometimes that starts to become difficult. That's usually what would be a klesha. Oh, I, uh, this is uncomfortable. I can't deal with this. I don't like this. This, this isn't right. Let that go. If you can't just come back to the breathing, then you've got to find what, what is, where is the energy in my body? So uncomfortable. Okay, where is that in your body right now? Where is uncomfortable? It's, it's, um, it's in here. It's up here. Okay. So what is that? Where does that feel like? Where up here? What is, is there a shape to it? <clears throat> is there a color to it? Um, it is colorless and shapeless. Okay. And um, stay with that. Where, yeah. Feel that. Feel that. Uncomfortable. Let the thoughts go. Keep feeling that. Where is that? How is that? Feel that. What is that? Feel it. Thoughts keep coming. Keep letting them go. Keep feeling that. Is it changing? Does it shift? Does it not shift? Keep, stay with that experience. What is that? Become inquisitive about that. Where is it? Is it solid? Is it invisible? Does it vibrate? Is there any shifting in it? Is it the same now that it was 10 seconds ago? Is there some, is something happening? Keep staying with that. Become inquisitive with, with that. The thoughts keep coming, let them go. And then stay with that process as long as you can. And then if you're able eventually to come back to the breath, just come back to the breath. So it's simple. It's a simple technique, but it's not easy. It's not easy. Does that make sense? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, I would say that's working with emotion. Yeah, it's definitely a lot to unpack. Um, so I'm not sure if I even articulated necessarily what I was trying to, um, but I do, I do try to really wash, rinse, and repeat with that process of just being inquisitive, but then also staying anchored in something that is, uh, you know, separate from that experience. Yeah, eventually when we can just come back to the breathing, we do it. But the klesha is this fixated thing that we keep coming back to. And we keep, it keeps redirecting our mind. Uncomfortable, uncomfortable. You know, it's like we, so we keep working with that. Now, sometimes it's really challenging to meditate. And if it's really, really challenging and you can't deal with it, we're learning to be gentle with ourselves. So mm -hmm. just take a break. Like, it's fine. 
We don't have to be a hero. We don't have to be Superman, you know. So sometimes if it's not working out, hey, you have to meditate for a while, and that's okay. But we can also start to become inquisitive about that. What is that? Where is it? Fear is usually just some energy in our body. It's like thoughts and energy in our body. The thoughts can be let go of, and the energy is just this open situation, perhaps. It doesn't make it easy or simple, but fear, discomfort, all these things can be worked with, this, with the same, same technique. Well, I thank everybody else for listening to that, and um, I would love to hear if, any, if I brought up any thoughts in anybody else's mind through that. Thank you. Is your uncomfortableness physical uncomfortableness or like anxiety? Because I've dealt with that. And it's, it's anxiety, yeah. Because for me, I switched to moving meditation. I can't really sit. I love to dance. Yeah. Like Qigong and things like that, that's, that's what helps me. I can't really sit for periods of time. I do it here and I can do it in a, in a setting with other people, but like to wake up every morning and sit in my house, I don't do it. <laughs> but I do do Qigong and it helps. And I just felt like it, I, just, I just needed my body to move. Um, the thing that came up for me was um, uh, it seems like the practice is a practice of getting familiar with it. Um, and it reminded me of uh, I do improv comedy and um, I still get scared or nervous before shows. Um, but recently I've noticed that because I'm, I just have kept doing it and kept practicing it, got more familiar with that fear. I used to be afraid of the feeling of being afraid because it was like, oh no, I can only be funny out there if I'm feeling confident. So the fact that I'm nervous is gonna make me have a bad show. Whereas now it's gotten to the point where it's like, oh no, sometimes I just feel nervous before the show. That's totally normal. The show is the show. It's separate entirely from before the show. My definition of being before the show can't be part of the show. And so because I've done it enough times and I know that feeling I still feel it, but I just don't spin out over it. And it just is something that is, sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. It's, you know, like you said, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It means that I care. It means that I want it to be a good show. So it just doesn't have to be, I don't have to be afraid of the fear. In fact, it almost becomes the opposite at a certain point. Like, if you're not afraid at all, you're like, wait a second, what's... <laughs> Maybe I don't give a shit or something. <laughs> Maybe or, I've gone into indifferent. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's okay, too, if that were to happen, but there is some sort of intelligence in what's happening. We can explore that. You know, We're afraid of the fear. We're afraid to explore. We're afraid of stillness. We're afraid of sadness. But we can practice and we can learn that Maybe we can deal with these things. And we just start small. That'd take for 10 minutes. That's all. And tomorrow, if you want to do 11, great. You know? It doesn't have to be, we can, we can work our way into these things. Working with emotions, all these things. Try it. What, how does it work out for you? It's easy for me to sit here and say it, but try it. Try it on a small level, maybe, and see if it works. That's why I keep doing it, because when I do it, it helps, you know. And the rain begins. Probably ends shortly.
So, um, I found it in the going back to the exercise. I found it really interesting that I felt different emotions in different parts of my body. Like for the anger part, I was like, oh yeah, the pulses, you know, my heart, the pulse, you know. And then for sort of the just being with the feeling, I felt much more in my stomach, like sort of a real sense of, of like kind of sadness. Hmm. Um, and so that whole idea that the different emotions just feeling them in different parts of your body? Yeah, there's a mental component and there's an energetic component and we don't have to be afraid of either of those parts. And we can explore them. And they can, we can explore our body. That's usually fearful for people too. Many of us aren't used to feeling our body or aren't used to feeling parts of our body. Like, okay, I like this part of my body, I'll feel this. I'm not so great about here, so I don't want to feel that. This part's cool, I'll feel that. You know, there's an all exploration in that as well. Do we have time? Sure, sure. We can do, I yeah. mean, we have time, yes. Um, so how does this practice relate to Tonglen? Because is it sort of you would start here and then work your way into Tonglen? Or is it just two different practices? Good question. Um, Tonglen, for those who may not know, is what's... Uh, totally different practice, it's called uh, send, sending and taking. A practice where it's, you could say it's similar. Normally in life, we wanna suck the good in to ourselves. Everything that feels good and pleasant, we want for ourselves and we wanna push all the bad away. Get the bad away from me and bring the good in. That's the normal way of doing things. Tonglen is a mental practice where you do the opposite. You suck difficulties and problems that other people are having and in the world, and you try to bring that in, the pain, the sadness, the difficulties, and then you try to breathe out relief to others. And it's a process. I'm not going to teach it tonight. We don't have time at this point. But it's a practice. It's a mental practice, a meditative practice. And it sort of turns things on its ear. Because we're so wired, I don't want the bad, I want the good. I'm afraid of the bad. Give me the good, get rid of the bad. And we're doing exactly the opposite. And doing it is usually pretty liberating. That practice in the sense of you realize, oh, I could do that. I could handle that. I could handle, I could breathe in other people's fears. And wish, that, you know, not only do I not have to avoid my fear, I could try to take on other people's fear, at least mentally. So we sort of flip the normal dialogue of the self upside down and you kind of surprisingly find that might be helpful perhaps. This isn't the same practice but in some ways there's similar aspects because I am saying hey lean in to some of these difficult emotions. In other words don't act them out, don't lean in that way, don't avoid, that's the other route, feel What's going on underneath? That's challenging. So it's a challenging practice. But perhaps there's some kind of understanding that comes that you didn't expect. Like Tonglen has a tendency to kind of give you a surprise. And perhaps working with this practice might give you a surprise too. I don't know. So you would say that there's sort of different, that's like what you said, different practices. There are different practices 
but they work, I think, for the same reasons. They're, and they're not about figuring it all out. It's like, I'm taking on the feelings and the difficulties of other people, and I'm, I'm taking on the bad, and I'm pushing, and I'm giving the good out. And I see if I can handle that. And that's in a more advanced practice in some ways. In some ways. Uh, I would say almost starting with this practice on a small level might be a better place to start. That's a bit more of an advanced practice, I'd say. But try it and see what happens.